Here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballin in one of the Sunday morning services. This morning, I would like to title my sermon as Church Beyond Four Walls. You know, if we look into the purpose of Lord Jesus Christ coming to this earth, Scripture says in Luke chapter 19 verse 10, Word of God says, Jesus said in fact, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Can you repeat this verse after me? Luke 19 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, Jesus Christ came to this world seeking for the lost soul, souls. If you remember the parable that Jesus spoke, the one of the kingdom parables, one, one of the parables that Jesus spoke about, you know, somebody losing something and searching for that. A shepherd had 100 sheep and he lost one of them. And then he went around searching for the one that was lost. And the moment he found, you know, look at the kind of joy that came into his life. Jesus came to this world seeking for the one soul that is lost. You know, today we see many people are lost in this world. But Jesus is seeking those lives. Jesus is after those individuals. You know, Jesus is driving them towards a point of time in their lives. They will surrender to God. And God cannot do it. Jesus cannot do it by himself. And he has to do that by church. Through the church. And who is the church? You and I are the church. So church has to extend its wall, its boundaries into the community. You know, today we are sitting inside four walls. You know, when we sit inside four walls, really the people who are living outside, they do not know what is going on inside. Now, always they look at us with a suspicion in their mind. What, what these guys are doing? What is going on here in this place? Every Sunday morning, some of the Saturdays, they come and they get inside all of them. And after two hours, they get out. What is happening inside the church? So it is time that we need to extend our church to the community. And also, as we know, church has to be a living organism. Church has to be alive. How do we know an organism is, or, or a tree or a plant is living? It's growth, exactly. It's growth. Your child, if he or she doesn't grow, it bothers you. It bothers all of us. You know, they need to speak when they are supposed to speak. They need to walk when they are supposed to walk. They need to start learning scriptures when they are supposed to learn scriptures. If those things are not happening, that simply means there is no growth. There is no growth. If something is not growing, that means it is not producing. If a tree is not growing, it is not going to produce. If your children are not growing, they are not going to be beneficial for you or for their own. In the same way, if the church is not growing, there is something wrong. Probably there is a tumor. Probably that may be cancerous. We need to do something to cut that portion off from the church so that church grows. And this morning we are talking about the growth of the church. How the growth of the church will happen. The growth of the church will happen when you open the walls of the church and we extend the walls of the church to the 
community. You know, I believe church cannot grow by transferring people. You know, today some of the churches try to grow in that way. They want to transfer people from one church to another church by showing something which is attractive. And I believe church cannot grow in that way. God doesn't expect us to grow in that fashion because in the mind of God, growth is a sinner coming into the fold. A lost sheep coming into the fold of the shepherd. That is what is in the mind of God. And this morning, if we know the mind of God, we will not work towards you know, transferring people from another church, but instead church can grow when non-believers become believers. When non-believers, they become believers, church starts growing. Think about the growth of the church in the early, early days. People who did not believe in Lord Jesus Christ, of course, they believed in all their traditions, but they never believed in Lord Jesus Christ. They never believed in the truth, the word of God. When they start believing, they got added to the church. And this morning we are talking about church not kept within four walls, but instead church is extended to the community so that there can be growth. And where are the non-believers? Where are the non-believers? I believe they are not inside the churches. They are outside the church. When non-believer becomes a believer, that's where we see growth. That's, where we, that's when we can count one soul is getting added. And this morning we are talking about how do we bring those non-believers and make them believers? It is our responsibility to extend the church beyond four walls. You know, this morning in the next slide, as we see, I just want to you know, talk about something which is very practical, which is very real. If we look at our daily lives, just want you to think about our daily lives. Let's have the slide. So we want you to think about every day, what do we do? If you look at our daily lives, I was just, you know, sitting and calculating, adding those hours. And on an average, those who works on five days, five days in a week, maybe eight hours, work and travel, that takes 42% of their time, two, two hours per travel. So 10 hours. So on an average, it takes around 42, sorry, percentage, not hours, percentage for travel and work. And most of us sleep, Eight hours? No. It is good to sleep seven hours at least. Seven to eight hours. But I don't think we get that sleep. But then there are good people. They are capable of sleeping. They are gifted with sleep. The moment they lie down, they can just start snoring, right? <laughs> they get into sleep. So God bless them. So, <laughs> so sleep takes 33% of our time. And at, we are at home, maybe doing some of the work in the kitchen and other things and our personal time, everything together, 25%. So travel and work takes the majority of our time. So 42% of our time every day, we are out. We are with the community. We are with people, dealing with people. Now, if you think about our weekly, what happens on an average during the week, travel and work, 30% of the time, we travel or we work. Sleep 33% and home. We are at home for 34% and we are at the church maximum for 3%. Only 3% of our time during the week, we are here at the church. So remaining 30% of time, we are either working or we are traveling or we are dealing with people who are not within the church. Right? Right? Now, I just want to ask a question this morning. 
word of God says, of course, we know we are the temple of God. So where God resides? Inside us. We are the temple of God. That's what scripture says. And this temple of God is found inside the church only 3% of the time during the week. So remaining 30% of the time, this temple of God is where? It is outside, either working or driving or doing something else. Only 3% of the time, this temple of God is found here inside the four walls. So putting all this together, maybe at home, 34%, 30% of the travel. 64% of time, we are dealing with others. We are dealing with others. In that specifically 30% of the time, mostly we are dealing with non-believers. Non-Christians are non-believers. So 30% of our time, we are dealing with non-believers. We are dealing with non-Christians. Only 3% of the time, we are here inside the church. So majority of the time, we are dealing with the people. We are dealing with the people who are not believers. And we as the temple of God, we are found in those places where we are surrounded with non-believers. And this morning we are talking about extending the church to the non-believers. When you go, you work in an organization. I believe you are representing the House of Intercessory Prayer Ministries or our church in that organization. It is not just between, you know, within these four walls. Wherever we go, because we are the temple of God. Wherever we go, we represent the church of God. We represent our Lord Jesus Christ. And word of God talks about living among non-believers. So if you can turn your Bible with me to Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Here word of God says, walk in wisdom. Every word is important. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, means non-believers. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Can we read that again? Walk in wisdom. Toward those who are outside means non-believers. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt. That you may know how you are to answer each one. This morning we are talking about. How do we live as a believer among non-believers? Here Paul is saying you need to walk in wisdom when you deal with people who are outside, who are non-believers. And remember that time is very precious. Time is important. Let your speech be full of grace. And seasoned with salt. So that you know what to, how to answer when they are asking you questions. And then where they are dealing with. Not only in spiritual matters, even in your official, even in your professional life, even in your education, in your school life, in your university life. You need to know how do we deal with non-believers because it is very, very important. You need to do it wisely. 
You know, the word of God is very specific about how we as Christians are to conduct ourselves among non-Christians. And this morning, I believe it is very, very important for you and me because we deal with people and it is very important for us to know what are these areas where we need to take care of ourselves. Number one, as this scripture says, walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. This morning, I just want to, you know, talk a little bit about wisdom. You know, most of the time, I mess up things because I'm not wise. And word of God is asking us to be wise. You know, today, as Christians, as children of God, in our workplaces, we don't apply our wisdom. The moment we fail to apply our wisdom, things don't work out. We would have prayed, we would have you know, fasted and did so many things. But God is asking us to use wisdom. God is not, because word of God is asking us to seek wisdom. It is very important that you and I need to have wisdom. Wisdom to speak and to deal and to, and to know how to behave. We need to be wise. We need to be wise. You know, otherwise it is going to be very difficult. You know, God, the people, sorry, the world, the God of this world, the prince of this year has given false wisdom to people of this world who are non-believers. You know, they carry a lot of wisdom today because you and I do not get the wisdom from the word of God. And God is asking us to gain wisdom. And how we can be wise, there are many different ways the word of God is talking about. Let's talk about it. Wisdom also needed to speak with the non-Christians. You know, some of those individuals that you are concerned with, because you know they are struggling in their lives. They don't believe in Christ, but they are going through a tremendous struggle in their lives. And you know that only Jesus has an answer to their problem. You know very clearly, Jesus has an answer to their difficulties that they are going through. But how do we use wisdom to speak to them? You know, most of the time, this is what is happening. We are very strong spiritually. We pray, we wait upon God, and we are with, full with the Holy Ghost. But when we go out, people don't see our spiritual strength. But what people see is our behavior, our words, our body language. That's what people will see. People don't see your spiritual strength. You, know, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You know how the power of God. You know if you lay hands and there will be healing. But people don't know that until it happens. But what they know is the way we speak. What they know is our sign language, the body language. You know, it is very important that we as children of God, we need to be wise. For a simple example, when, when your boss is asking you to do something, boss is asking you to do something which is probably it's not your responsibility. You're changing your face. The moment boss asks you to do it, the change that takes place in our face, because we don't like it, and that is noticed by somebody who is not a Christian. For him, he doesn't know that you prayed in the morning one hour at the feet of God. But for him, he just sees your body language. You know, children of God, it becomes very important that we need to walk in wisdom. You know, it is also very important that we are made, not made fun of. We are not made fools among people. You know, at times when we try to share the word of God, they just laugh at us and go. They don't listen to us. Right? God expects us to apply wisdom there. 
And you know, it is very important that we don't want to spoil the reputation of Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want to spoil the reputation of gospel. Yesterday evening we heard about gospel. Gospel is very precious. Gospel is precious. Gospel says the reason why Jesus came to this world. And it says what Jesus can offer to you. And it talks about the transforming power of Lord Jesus Christ. That is so precious. Now, if we are fools, if we do not apply our wisdom properly, you know, we spoil the reputation of the gospel. And as a Christian, we need to be very careful when we deal with people around us. And people, most of the time, they look at us and they come to a common judgment saying that, oh, all Christians are like this. All, okay, all those people, they go to the church, that particular church, they are just like this. They come to a common understanding by looking at our lives. You know, these things tell me really how important that I need to live in wisdom. Wisdom is very, very important. You know, most of the time you would have heard this. People look at the television and they look at the televangelists. They, you know, they are appearing in, in the television. I'm not saying, I'm not blaming anybody, but sometimes, you know, they, they ask you to give. They ask you need to send $100, $1,000. At times I say it is right what they do, because if they don't ask, we won't give. They don't ask, we don't give. They're asking. Not for their own benefit. Most of them they are asking because there is a need. They are advancing the gospel. But then people will look at just that part. And then they come to a common understanding. Oh yeah, all the Christians are like this. All the churches are like this. So we need to apply our wisdom. We need to know who is listening to us. Who is our audience. And you know, who are whom, with whom we are dealing with. And God expects us to apply wisdom. Let's turn to the Bible. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. Very, very important scripture. Very important scripture. If you can underline this, underline this scripture. This is the most important scripture in our lives. That will make us Christians. That will keep us believers until the end of the, our lives. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, most of the time, I learn this word and teach that word to my child. Do we do that? Yes. We, do, we, need, to really, we need to memorize this scripture. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How many of us take the same word and apply it to our life? And this morning, God is asking me, He's telling me, I need to fear God. I need to fear God. You know, we are living in a time, the fear of God is taken out of the churches, taken out of the society. You know, God has given us time of grace, period of grace. God is very compassionate. That doesn't mean that we can take things, for, things of God for granted. God expects us to have the fear, that reverence to God Fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. I'm not talking about, you know, fearing outside. I'm not talking about you need to share when you stand in the presence of God. If God is asking you to do that, you can do that. But then it is inside. Inside our heart, we need to have that reverence to God. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we do that, we speak wisely. Let's read another scripture. James chapter 1 verse 5. James chapter 1 verse 5. I need the scripture because I lack wisdom. And I need to ask God because I need wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. If we need wisdom, 
we need to ask God. How many of us pray for wisdom? Solomon, yeah, you pray, thank you. <laughs> we pray, many of you, thank you. So we pray for wisdom. Solomon prayed for wisdom. He was not a fool. He was a wise man, but then still he prayed for wisdom because he realized that is the most important thing that I need in my life. You know, wisdom is the most important thing that we need in our life. Even to do our family life, even to you know, conduct our family life between husband and wife, you need wisdom. You need wisdom. Now, we need two gifts of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I just want to touch that a little bit. Two gifts of the Holy Spirit. All the Christians, all the believers, we need. One, number one, word of knowledge. Number two, word of wisdom. There are two different gifts you and I need when we deal with non-believers, two different gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. What is word of knowledge? Word of knowledge is the revelation that God gives you about somebody. You know, you are in your work situation and there is somebody who is going through a difficult moment and God puts that thought in your mind, in your life and God tells you, this is what she's going through. Word of knowledge. Now you need to apply word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is the wisdom that is needed to deal with that situation. You will go and talk to her or talk to him and tell her in the right time, you need to talk to her and talk to him. This is what it looks like it's happening in your life. And she'll say, how do you know? And you say that I know it because God tells me. God tells me. And if you're a child of God, if you believe in Lord Jesus Christ, it is 100% right to what you say. And she will long for help. Now, word of wisdom comes into picture and you have the wisdom to tell, this is what you need to do. You can escape from that situation if you do this. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Now, these are one of the, two of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of the Holy Spirit, they operate in our lives when we deal with the non-believers. It may not operate inside the church, but it operates very well when we deal with the non-believers. But we need to be aware of it. If we do not know, we don't see it. Now God has given that gift to some of us, all of us. But when we start using that gift, we see God doing something in their lives. God doing miracles in their lives. You know, if I ask you some testimonies, probably you'll be able to share that. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 6 through 17. Ephesians, let's read only 15 now. Ephesians 5, 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, means cautiously, not as fools, but as wise. God is asking us to walk in wisdom. Now, second thing that Paul is talking about in the first scripture that we read from Colossians chapter 4, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside non-believers, redeeming the time. God is asking us, we need to walk in wisdom and also we need to redeem the time. How do we redeem the time? You know, the Greek term for redeeming the time means simply buying the opportunity. Buying the opportunity. You know, it is very important that we make use of every opportunity that we get in our lives. It is very, very important. Because if you turn back your life and see how, of, how many of your friends you lost, you got an opportunity to share the gospel with them, but you did not share. How many of my friends, they ended their lives where I, shared, I did not share the gospel? 
you know opportunity is very precious opportunity will not stay for a long time scripture says in ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 redeeming the time because the days are evil redeeming the time because the days are evil you know we are living in a evil days evil is everywhere outside the days are evil outside and in we are since we are living in the evil days god is asking us to redeem the time god is asking us to make use of the opportunity second timothy chapter 4 verse 2 word of god says preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching it is very important that we need to do the right thing to the right individual you know at times we are afraid to speak to them god may be prompting us over and over again you need to go and tell this because this is not right this is not correct in her life in his life and we should not hesitate if we miss that opportunity her life will end up in trouble and god is asking us to preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all patience and teaching it is a responsibility of every believer when we do this church will extend beyond four walls and god is also asking us to be aggressive in in terms of gospel you know somewhere we lost those things we become so complacent in terms of evangelism and god is asking us to be aggressive in those areas and share the word because the time is so evil as i said opportunities are not going to come again there are many reasons why we are not doing it I just want to read one scripture Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 6 and 7. There is one reason why we are not making use of the opportunity that God is giving us today. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 6 and 7. I would like to read from NLT if we can read it from the screen. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 6 and 7. NLT says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, listen to this. We give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and do not follow the tradition they received from us. For you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. You know, Paul is writing to the believers in Thessalonica. He is saying that dear sisters and brothers, we command you in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, stay away from all believers who live idle lives. Idle lives means those who are lazy. Those who are lazy. And he's asking, there are believers who are lazy in every church. Do we have lazy believers here? Believers who are lazy, they don't want to do anything. They don't want to do anything. And Paul is writing to that church and he's saying, keep away from those idle believers. Keep away from those lazy believers. If you become friends, if you make friendship with those, those who are lazy, what will happen? They will make you lazy. And you will become lazy eventually. So Paul is very cautious. He's writing, do not have fellowship with, not with ungodly people, not with, but with lazy believers. You know, one of the reasons, main reason, why we are not able to advance with the gospel, just because of our laziness. I want you to look at the missionaries. Look at those evangelists, you know. They travel to different places of the globe, going with the gospel. They decided, I will stay at my home only five days or three days in a month. The rest of the days, I will be available for God wherever He wants me to go. 
Laziness is one of the reasons why we are not able to make use of the opportunity. God is telling us we need to make use of the opportunity. Thirdly, God was telling through Paul, speak with grace. Speech with grace. This is very simple to understand. I can quickly move over. You know, grace is something that we don't deserve. There are people in this world, they feel that they don't deserve for such blessings. But God is asking you and me to speak with them with grace. Grace can be, you know, represented by giving kindness, showing kindness, loving somebody, being compassionate, you know, sharing some words that really comfort them. You know, these are the ways we can express grace. And here Paul is saying, speech with grace. You know, when we do this with the non-believers, they will long for your word. They will wait for your, to listen from you. And this morning God is asking us, it is very important that we extend that grace that we receive from Lord Jesus Christ to our friends, to those people who are living in the community. You know, most of the time when we speak, we need to make sure that those words are comforting somebody, especially non-believers. We need to make sure that we are showing equality, we are not showing partiality. We need to make sure that we are encouraging them, we are not putting them down. You know, God is asking us to be gracious to some of those individuals that we are dealing with them in every day in our lives. Luke chapter 4 verse 22 says, Luke chapter 4 verse 22. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. It talks about Jesus. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not Joseph's son? You know, people need to marvel by listening to us. The words they listening, they are they listen to the gracious words that we speak. And they need to marvel. And they need to know, oh, he is the son of God. He's a child of God. He's a believer. He's a true Christian. Now God expects us to show that kindness to the people, those who are living around us. As we know, death and life are in the power of our tongue. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. And Paul is very particular. We need to speak graciously. Finally, seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt. You know, these are some of the qualities that you and I need today as we deal with some of those who do not believe Jesus Christ yet. But they will become believers soon. It all depends on us. How do we deal with them? Seasoned with salt, finally. What, is, what are the characteristics of salt? Flavor? Great. Flavor. You add salt to the food and it adds flavor. It doesn't take flavor from the food, but instead it adds flavor to the food. Christians as believers, God expects us to show the fragrance of Christ through our lives. Flavor. Salt is also used as a for, for a, uh, as a healing element for ailments, for sicknesses. Salt is a good medicine. God wants us to heal those brokenhearted. God wants us to heal those who are oppressed by the devil. God wants us to heal those lives. Those are kind of, you know, going through loneliness in their lives. Salt also has a property. If you apply salt in a burn, in a wound, what will happen? be so comfy it burns 
It really burns. Salt has that ability. As a child of God, when you deal with somebody, you correct people. You instruct people with love. It burns at times, but eventually it brings healing. Salt is also a preservative. Today, God preserves us. God preserves our community, our family. And that same thing has to happen for those believers. They are not believing yet in Jesus Christ. Their lives need to be protected. Their lives cannot go to the hell. They're, they cannot go and destroy in hell. You know, some of our friends, we just love them. We just want to be with those friends. Have you ever thought where their life will be after 30 years, after 20 years? No, who, who knows where their life will be? We just love them so much heart to heart when we live on this earth. But when we go, where they will be? We don't want them to go to the hell. We don't want their lives to be, you know, tortured in the hell, in the burning fire. We want their lives to be preserved. And God is asking us to season our words with salt. Salt also. When you consume salt more, what happens? Thirsty, exactly. You feel thirsty. The more you consume salt, you feel thirsty. God wants you to create that thirst among non-believers. God wants us to be a salt there. So when you speak to them, Slowly when we deal with them, the thirst comes in their lives. Now I just thank God for Priya yesterday. She could bring a couple of her friends to the church yesterday night. Same way Benson. I don't know who else brought. So just, you know, want to encourage you this morning. You share the love of Christ. You just share your testimony. That will create the thirst in their lives. They will run for water. And when they come to Lord Jesus Christ, He can give them the living water so that they will never thirst again. Matthew, finally, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. Jesus said, You are the salt of this earth. But there is a concern. There is a worry. Even Jesus did not have an answer to it. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Have you seen tons and tons of salt are poured out there as a waste because the so salts lost their flavor. If as Christians, if we lose our flavor, if we lose the characteristics of Christ in our lives, where we can go, where the non-believers will go, what God can do to us. And God is expecting us not to lose that flavor, the qualities we talked about. It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. That means it cannot be restored. And this morning God is asking us not to lose that flavor. Let that fire burn within your heart. Just do not lose that flavor. You know, when you came to Lord Jesus Christ, when you accepted Lord God, that fire was burning within you for some reason that is put down today. But this morning God is asking you, telling you, do not lose that flavor because there is no recovery when you lose that flavor. It is very important this morning how do we live among non-believers? Finally, to summarize, let's read the scripture again. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom. Have you have that in the screen? Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Mainly non-believers. Redeeming the time. Making use of opportunity. Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt. That you may know how you ought to answer each one. Each one has a different problem. Different questions. 
and they deal with you in your professional life in many different ways. And you know that they are ungodly people. They, they, they are non-believers. They don't believe in Christ yet. It is very important how do we behave. Do we still have that flavor? Do they still find something good in our lives? No matter whatever I tell him, no matter whatever I tell him, he's always just smiling. What is wrong with this guy? What is wrong with this girl? Just always smile. The flavor they want to see in our lives. God is asking us to behave wisely. God is asking us to make use of every opportunity. God is asking us to speak graciously in a very comforting way. And finally, God is also telling us not to lose the flavor. Shall we close our eyes this morning? Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.